Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Hey, welcome back for another episode of the HR for Small Business podcast. I am your host, as always, Brandon Laws. Hey, thanks for for those uh, that have been connecting with me on Instagram and LinkedIn and Twitter and all those places. It's really fun to to actually interact with the audience because, as you probably know, it's uh, it's I know how many downloads we're getting. There's a lot of them, but I don't know necessarily who's listening to the podcast. So I always love when people reach out to me on LinkedIn from all over the world too. Uh, So that's fun for me. So feel free to keep reaching out. I love connecting with people. And thanks for those that have been actually suggesting topics. That's that's huge because I want to know what you want to listen and learn about. So as you probably know, we do book drawings on a monthly basis. So go fill out that survey that we have. Links in the show notes, so you're welcome to do that. And also, we do book drawings for those that give us reviews on Apple Podcasts. So continue to do that because we love the feedback and it helps us actually grow the podcast so other people can find us. Today's episode, I want to put out a a disclaimer. Uh, There's a couple topics in here where we talk about really specific things. And I'm sure as most of you know that this is not custom like legal advice for you or for anybody else for that matter it's we just try to bring on very interesting people and very interesting topics and in no way is any of the content that we provide uh, customized advice or nor is it necessarily the opinion of me or of Zenium who uh, I represent so anyways this topic today is with Michael Maneri and he has a podcast called Reconstructing Healthcare. And so I love the title of his podcast. And it's very intuitive. You can kind of get what it's all about. Our discussion is basically centered around the issues that the the healthcare industry faces, whether it's insurance brokers or insurance providers or insurance companies and employers. And what like there's rising costs and employers are having to get creative because they need to retrain attract and retain people and it's just becoming a challenge so michael is uh, an expert in this area he's interviewed a ton of people and of of very specific experts in their respective areas and so i basically just pick his brain and we have a really fun discussion on uh reconstructing healthcare and i think it's i think you're going to love this discussion but again it's not advice for you it's uh hopefully just going to get those those wheels turn in and hopefully you find it interesting. So uh, feel free to connect with me. Let me know what you think about the podcast. Um, and we have a ton of content coming your way. We've I probably have seven, eight uh, episodes recorded in advance. So we're pumping things out. And if you want it more frequently than weekly, let me know. All right. Enjoy. Hey, Michael, it's so great to have you in the podcast. Welcome. Thanks, Brandon. It's great to be here. What issues are employers facing right now as it relates to healthcare? 
Well, gosh, that's a it's <laughs> a big question. <laughs> that's a big question. I think there's a there's a couple of challenges um, that I think most employers would identify with, and you know, first it's just cost. I mean, if you look at the the cost of healthcare and health insurance, you know, over the last 16 yeah. years, I mean, it's risen well over 200 percent. And if you're an employer, you know, what other fixed cost in your business has has risen at that rate? Um, it's it's unsustainable. And, you know, what happens is employers are forced to make hard decisions. You know, do we increase, you know, uh, deductibles and co-pays and, mm-hmm. and, you know, what our, what our employees have to pay out of pocket? Um, or do we, you know, make them pay more for for the insurance, you know, via payroll deduction? Um, so I think that's that's one of the big challenges and for employers. And then for employees, you know, there was a, a recent Kaiser Family Foundation study that basically noted that of all people who have insurance, a third of those people still have difficulty affording healthcare, yeah. which is absolutely crazy. It is crazy. And I, so our company, Zenia, we, we are an HR consulting company. We're not a brokerage firm at all, but we, we do get the questions a lot from a lot of our clients when they're trying to design their plans. Like they don't want to push a lot of the cost to the employees. So they, they end up sort of trying to either absorb or, or redesign their plan in a way that's, that's going to give them the bare minimum coverage, but you know, not absorb all those costs. What, what are you seeing employers doing? Like what kind of pain are they feeling when it, when it comes to healthcare coverage? It's going to depend on the company. It's going to depend on the industry. Um, you know, for, for those employers, um, especially in the tech space where they're competing for, for talent, um, you know, you'll, you'll see rich benefits and, um, you know, oftentimes, you know, very little cost share for employees. But in other industries where, you know, lo- the, the businesses may be low margin and, um, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, they're just trying to make it right. They will oftentimes, you know, push a lot of the cost back on to the employees because they simply can't afford to, to bear it themselves. And so in those instances, um, you know, it's, it's challenging for employers and you have to work with your broker consultant to, you know, get creative and look at, you know, alternative methodologies to, uh, you know, lower healthcare costs, you know, so you're not impacting your employees that much. So if we back up and, and sort of look at the landscape of, of healthcare and health insurance, how do we get to where we are? Why, why are costs rising the way they are right now? That's a great question. And as you know, Brandon, I have, I have my own podcast. It's, mm-hmm. it's called Reconstructing Healthcare. And you know, that's one of the things we examine on the podcast is, is why do healthcare costs increase at you know, two to three times the, the rate of, of inflation for other goods and services? Um, and, and the answer is, the ugly answer is that everybody in the supply chain of healthcare, and we're talking, you know, physicians, hospitals, diagnostic imaging centers, uh, drug manufacturers, um, medical device manufacturers, PBMs and insurance carriers, everybody's trying to maximize their slice of the pie. Absolutely. To, yeah. to the detriment of, of the payers of healthcare, which are going to be employers and, and their employees. And it really boils down to misaligned incentives. And, um, you know, this is the dirty little secret that nobody on Capitol Hill, um, is ever going to utter. And that's that our healthcare system is designed for higher costs the way that it, that it is right now. And, and ultimately, if an employer 
you know, wants different results, that's kind of the first thing they have to acknowledge. Yeah, you you made an interesting point that it's designed to rise in cost. I don't know what the number is now, but what what percentage of our national GDP is it? I think the last that I saw, and in, in, you know, don't quote me on this, but uh, around seventeen percent. That's a, that's a huge number. It's it's extraordinary, and the the problem is. You know, what healthcare has become, it's, it's like this insatiable beast, right? That just continues to consume more and more. And it leaves less money for us as a society to spend on other things. You yeah. Know, like, like education. Absolutely. <laughs> or other, or other, or other basic needs like food, clothing, and shelter. You know, and that's, that's, that's a real challenge. What's, what's fascinating to me is like the, the economics of healthcare. You'd think like technology would drive down costs, but, Obviously, there are a lot of labor costs involved, and then to your point, everybody along the 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 food chain they they want their bigger piece. So there's a lot of factors, I guess, is what I'm saying. And it, it, would you agree with that? There's a lot of factors in, in the driving up the the costs of healthcare. Why? But why are some of these innovations pushing it back down? Well, that's so that's a great question, right? Like we have all this innovation, mm-hmm. and you see innovation in other industries where it actually drives costs down because it creates efficiencies. And so healthcare and education are really the only two sectors where despite all the innovation that we see, costs continue to go up. And the reason is it's not a true free market. Yeah, I right? agree. There, there's not price transparency. And insurance has essentially become a blank check for all of those people, you know, in the supply chain of healthcare. And, and that's really why if an employer wants different results, they have to kind of grapple with these questions and, and realize that you know, when you're, when you're buying health insurance the traditional way, you're really playing a game that you're guaranteed to lose in the form of higher costs year in and year out. So what does it mean for employers where like, with the current landscape, you know, how do they sort of partner with the, the employees to, to, to figure out something that they want, it's going to give them the coverage that they need, but also make it to where both sides aren't bearing greater and greater costs every year. There's got to be some other solutions. And, and there is, and there is. And I'm going to give you a simple example. Um, we talked about the problem being misaligned incentives. So, okay, how do you realign the incentives? And one of those ways is you can make your employees partners in helping to lower the cost of healthcare. So let me give you a simple example. Within any PPO network uh, for insurance, there's a huge amount of waste. And the simple example is you can have, you know, um, a hospital charge $5,000 for an MRI. And down the street, half a mile away, there's a freestanding imaging center hmm. that will that will charge $300 for that same MRI. It's a huge price variance. So one of the ways that an employer can, you know, engage their employees to help them lower costs is give them incentives to go to the low cost place. Mm-hmm. And, and by incentive, if you, if you get the employee to go to the MRI that costs $300 versus getting the MRI in the hospital that costs 5,000, well, you just saved a lot of money. Yeah. So why, so why charge your employee anything? Right. Mm-hmm. Reward them for making better decisions. And I think a, a lot of this is down to education, right? Like I think maybe employers or, or brokers or whoever it may be, th- th- there's no education for employees to like. There, there's alternatives, and they're just not using them. It's it's the, it's education, but it's also 
employees, you know, consumers of healthcare, right? They're, they're generally not equipped with the right tools. And so you have to give them the right tools to be able to drive the right behavior. And so there are vendors in the marketplace that offer, you know, sort of a concierge service to direct people to lower cost options within their networks and also facilitate, you know, uh, a monetary incentive, you know, when they, when they make the right decision to go to a lower cost option. So besides those couple of those ideas that you kind of tossed out there, what other creative things are you seeing? One of the, the biggest problems in, in healthcare is how we pay providers. Mm -hmm. And bas basically we rely on insurance carriers to negotiate pricing. And we've been, we've been kind of convinced or taught over the years that, you know, insurance carriers get the best deals. The truth of the matter is in, in any insurance uh, provider network, you're usually paying anywhere from 200 to 300 or 400% of what Medicare pays. And so, and you, and, and gen you generally have no idea, you know, what the actual price is. Like if you were to call a hospital and ask them what the price is for a procedure, <laughs> they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even know what to tell you. Gosh. So we, we got to fix how we pay for healthcare. It needs to be transparent. And it needs to be more how we purchase other goods and services. And so there are companies out there that are working to establish transparent pricing with vendors that are much less than uh, what we're the pricing that we're getting through insurance contracts. And so we call that value-based purchasing. And um, you know, employers um, who are self-funded can integrate. Uh, value-based purchasing strategies uh, into their health plan as a way to control costs as well. I agree about the transparency. I can't tell you how many times I've looked at it at an explanation of benefits from my insurance provider, and it's not even their fault. Really, it's it's every every you know healthcare provider has to work within those rules and they've got codes on them and they're astronomical numbers. And you're like, I don't even know what any of this means. And it's like, who do you really talk to? To You can't really negotiate as a consumer, really. I mean, it just seems like that's the price and it's set by insurance and the provider altogether. Like, how do you, how do you even build transparency in that, in that world? Well, it, it goes back to, to giving your employees the right tools because they can't do it on their own. And, you know, another trend in the marketplace is, uh, what's called healthcare navigators, mm -hmm. and the and these are companies that really provide a a white glove concierge service to employers um, and their employees to make it easy. Yeah. Because you can't you you can't expect an employee to go out and and try to know what the price is uh, for something and and to shop. And you know, there's so much complexity in the system. You just mentioned the example of an, an EOB. An EOB can be completely different from the five or six different bills that you get in the mail and employees can often be left wondering what, what am I supposed to pay? Yeah. Right. And, and sometimes they may pay more than they should. And so the purpose of a healthcare navigator is to be the, the advocate on behalf of the employee to help them with finding a provider, finding the low cost options within a network, helping with any issues that they have with bills, you know, or explaining just what that EOB actually means. And so one of the things we have to do as uh, employers and, and brokers and consultants, we need to make it easier for employees because right now it's just too complex. At one point, and maybe this is still the case, and I'm hoping you can tell me, healthcare coverage for employees was a way to attract and retain them. Is that still the case now? And 
if it's not like what what are some ways that that you could create some sort of program that's attractive for an employee to 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 consume those benefits and and come join you in the company that's a big question um and i'm going to answer a couple different ways um one employee benefits are still absolutely important in attracting and retaining talent and it's going to vary by industry on how important it is but you know there are certain industries um that it's very important for them to benchmark the employee benefits that they offer to their competitors because it may be the difference between them getting that employee that they want or not but there's also there's been an an expansion well let me let me say this a different way <laughs> We have a multi-generational workforce now, don't we? Yeah. Right? And so what's important to millennials is, is going to be different than what's important to boomers and, um, and, and Gen Xers like myself. And so benefit offerings really need to be diverse, yeah. you know, de- depending on, you know, your workforce and the demographic that it, you know, contains. I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing demand for certain employee benefits. Like, I mean, you wouldn't even believe pet insurance. Yeah, that's true. I've heard of that. <laughs> it's it like seems silly, but yeah, but I get it. Great. But you know what? People want it and, and it's kind of a value add as part of their, their benefits. There are now, uh, you have a whole generation of millennials that are saddled with a lot of debt. Yeah. So now there are actual benefit, uh, programs. There, there are student loan repayment, uh, programs that an employer can offer. I mean, these didn't exist. 10 years ago. So to answer your question, yes, I think benefits are still important in attracting and retaining employees. And even if employers can't necessarily, you know, afford to pay for all of these, a lot of these things can be offered on a voluntary basis, you know, to kind of, to kind of sweeten the pot. So there's, there's lots of interesting things that employers can do. And I think what's interesting about just the group, uh, health plan, uh, offerings is your point about the, the multi-generational workplace where like I have a couple kids. So obviously coverage for my kids and making sure a lot of those little, you know, broken bones and emergency rooms, those things are covered. Whereas, you know, somebody who doesn't have kids and who's really young, maybe they just want a high deductible plan or, or somebody who's maybe in their sixties, Meet, needs a, they need a different type of coverage, right? And so I think your point is everybody needs something a little different and maybe employers should start offering that. Yes. Depending on the, the workforce and the demographic, um, I think if you, if you have the ability to offer, you know, more than one plan and offer choice, um, I think, I think that would be, it's going to be well received, you know, by employees, but it, it, it really depends. And I think, um, you know, that's something that, Every employer, I mean, really should work on directly with, with their broker consultant because they can provide, you know, guidance, you know, into how to structure a benefit plan and, and what to include based on your demographic. What are some of the common myths that you're hearing about healthcare or health insurance? There's a lot. And, and I actually, I, I have a book called the, uh, the CEO's guide to, to lowering healthcare costs by 33%. And in that book, we actually talk about 10 myths about healthcare and health insurance that are commonly accepted that really lead people to, to kind of accept the status quo. I mean, one of those myths is that, you know, your insurance carrier is negotiating the best deal for you. That's not necessarily the case. You know, there's, there's myths about, you know, gosh, I think high deductible, the myth about high deductible health plans is a pretty good one too. Um, and that there's this whole notion that if you implement a high deductible health plan, you know, now that employees have a high deductible, and I have one, I have a $4,000 deductible yeah. for my family, which is a lot of money. Um, 
that instantly, right, we're all going to be great consumers of healthcare. Sure, yeah. And, and, and that's just not possible in the current system because it's hard to get access to price, pricing information. It's almost impossible to get access to quality information. And so it's really not possible for, for consumers to shop for goods and services in healthcare like we would on Amazon, right? For, you know, <laughs> for clothes, for clothes yeah. or whatever you're, whatever you're purchasing on Amazon. It's in the current environment, unless you have the right tools, and there are better tools out there that we can help, you know, guide employers to that can facilitate more of that consumerism. But for the most part, a high deductible health plan with a health savings account on its own, no, it's not going to promote consumerism. What are a couple of ways that you like if you if you were in charge of the whole entire healthcare system, you would do to just tweak it a little bit to be more effective and obviously curb some of the the rising costs? What would what would you do? Gosh, if I if I had a magical yeah, wand yeah, exactly. that I that that I could wave, I would I would make it mandatory that pricing be transparent. Mm-hmm. I think people just don't understand how egregious the price variance is in the marketplace. I mean, you you can have you know a hospital charge you know twenty five thousand for a knee or hip replacement, and you can have another hospital down the street charge a hundred thousand dollars. With no difference in quality, right? And maybe even, the, or you can have the one that's charging a hundred thousand for that that procedure be poor quality, lower quality. So if if I had a magic wand, I would I would wave it and decree <laughs> that all uh, hospital facility pricing and quality ratings would be transparent to the public. Since employers right now tend to be the vehicle in which a lot of employees get their their group health coverage, what can they do? You know, like is there something that, that employers can do to to really help employees understand uh, the costs structure and even even help you know mitigate some of the the costs for their plan? Yeah, I think I think there's lots of things that people can do. You know, we're working with an employer right now where. You know, we've, we've basically identified cost efficient providers in the network. And, hmm. you know, we're, we're giving employees a strong incentive where we waive deductible and coinsurance and copays wow. if, if they go to the cost efficient providers. And so that, that's, there are lots of things that an employer can do, but, um, it's hard when you're just purchasing off the shelf insurance products. Yeah. Um, and really, it requires an employer to to work with a, a broker and and, uh, and look at what we call alternative funding approaches, uh, which is insurance jargon, and really means just being able to self-insure your plan. And there are ways that small employers can do it. You know, there are captives out there which are um, made for for smaller employers um, and uh, allows them to pool together with other employers. There are associations and other purchasing coalitions that small employers can tap into. So it's it's just a matter of um, working, you know, with the right broker consultant and and being able to explore those options. You brought up self insurance, and that we've never talked about that on this podcast. Uh, we could probably have an entire episode dedicated to that because I know it's probably nuanced. But it, for listeners, is that uh, self insurance for every? type of employer? Is it for big only? Is it for small only? Like maybe kind of give a summary of what, what your thoughts are on self-insurance. Honestly, you know, it's 
the, this is another myth, right? That, you know, you, that you have to be, you have to have like, you know, 500 employees to be able to self-insure. And that's just not true. You know, you, you can be an employer with, with 30 employees and, uh, you can partially self-insure or, or self-insure your plan and, um, you know, purchase, uh, what we call, you know, stop loss for, for catastrophic large claims. And you can save a lot of money. And, and by self-insuring, it allows you to, do more of these kind of creative approaches that we've talked about where, you know, you're, um, giving employees incentives to, to choose lower cost option. And so you can be, I mean, you can be, it depends on, uh, certain states because there can be regulations on how small you can be, but, you know, certainly it's not just for large employers and, uh, small employers do have the ability to do it. You need to, ha- you need to have a good understanding of, of what the, um, the risks are. Um, you know, in any given year of, of what your potential costs can be. But, you know, I'm telling you, you know, our clients that are self-insured, they do a lot better than our clients that purchase fully insured products. Michael, you have a podcast called Reconstructing Healthcare. And I love that title, by the way. Um, I think I need to catch your title for my podcast. Um, <laughs> you interview a lot of really smart people on that podcast, a lot of people in the, the healthcare industry. If you're going to kind of give me your your top maybe three things that you've learned from the podcast, what are those? Top three things that I've learned. Um, one, that there's hope hmm. for us, that there are a ton of uh, great entrepreneurs doing um, incredible things in the marketplace to help employers, you know, lower their healthcare costs. Two, that, you know, the, the status quo is really a problem and there's a lot of inertia uh, that prevents people from, you know, looking at, uh, solutions that can actually lower costs. And, and, you know, that's, that's part of the reason we have, we have the podcast to educate the marketplace that there are better ways of, of doing things out there. And it's just like any problem, right? You can't solve a problem until you understand the why. Yeah. And so if anything, I've learned a lot by interviewing some of the folks on more of the dysfunctional elements within the healthcare system that actually, you know, lead to higher, higher healthcare costs. And it's, it's through that education, we hope to, you know, instigate a little change in the industry. I love it. Michael, where can people learn more about you, your work? Uh, where can people find the podcast too? I think that'll be, that's a really important piece. So the website is www.reconstructinghealthcare.com. Um, and we've got a special page for your listeners. Oh, uh, so it's at, it's uh, reconstructinghealthcare.com backslash Brandon. And uh, there they can get access to our, our ebook, the CEO's Guide to Lowering Healthcare Costs by 33%, um, as well as a, a video webinar we have that, that really dives into, you know, why healthcare costs go, in, go up in the first place. And on, on our website, you can also get access to, you know, all of our podcast episodes, as well as, um, you know, on iTunes or, or any of uh, your favorite podcast apps. Michael Maneri, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I had a lot of fun in this discussion. Honestly, I could probably talk for a couple hours on this. It's so much fun. Awesome. Well, Brandon, thank you for, for having me. And, and I, hope, uh, I hope our discussion was educational for your audience. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. 
The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com.